Welcome to the Person and the Power podcast with Pastor Tim Johnson, as he invites us to cultivate a deep and profound relationship with the Holy Spirit of the living and loving God. After 25 years of ministry, Pastor Tim's desire is that all of us would experience both the Spirit's transformational intimacy and the supernatural activity in our daily lives. Now, here's Pastor Tim. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. (laughs) Always try to cover my bases. Hey, thanks for joining again with the podcast, The Person and the Power. Appreciate it so much. Very humbled and honored and just excited. Always love to... One of my favorite things in the world is to talk about the Word of God and, and just to dive in. I really, um, I just, yeah, it's one of my favorite things to do. And so speaking of the person and the power, we have a book signing, <laughs> I guess, scheduled. If you know me, you know me. I'm not a book signing kind of guy. I'm just, I've never, never thought I'd be sitting at a table signing a book in a coffee shop. But apparently that's what's happening next week. If you're local, it's, uh, I think it's December the 16th. I don't want to give you the wrong date. Maybe it's the, yeah, I think it's the 16th. It's Saturday at Kent Java, 9 a.m. to noon here in Corden, Indiana. So, yeah. And we, I think, I think, I think, looks like we've got some books ordered. We thought we are going to get them next week. We have them this week, I think, at least some of them. Some uh, they're gonna so we have some books ordered so um, so we've got a whole bunch of books coming in so we uh, we'll see those come in over the next few days I think so excited about that again humbled and honored really guys you um, yeah if you know me you know me uh, the book is for one purpose and one purpose alone and that is for people to come to know and understand and appreciate uh, the person and the power who lives within them that's all that I want. For people to know the power of the Holy Spirit within them. So, anyway, all right, this is going to be fun uh, today. I'm excited about. I always am. I think I'm always uh, excited about podcasts again because we get to dive into the Word together for a few minutes, and we are doing this series called "Finding the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament," and we are in the Book of Numbers today, and we might actually be there next week as well. We'll see. I'm still praying about that, but. We're definitely in the book of Numbers today, Numbers 11. So uh, let's, uh, let's dive right in. It's going to be a little different. Um, I'm, uh, I'm excited for how I think the Holy Spirit is going to lead us today. Uh, it's a fascinating chapter. It's a fascinating book. It's a hard book. And it's a hard chapter because uh, we see God's great and glorious grace in the midst of our whining and in the midst of our, our just complete failure. Uh, And uh, it's just amazing how God continues to pour out grace by the power of His Spirit in such a way, even when we just don't deserve it at all. So we're going to really look at uh, verses 16 through 30. And I'm actually going to probably just read verse by verse. And we're kind of go, I think we're just going to read together. Uh, And uh, so again, I know some of you listen to this while you're driving, and, and that's fine. Some people like to listen to it and then go home and go check into the scriptures. Some people sit down with a Bible in their lap and listen to this. However you do it, um, I just uh, just trust the Holy Spirit. Uh, however, uh, we're gonna, however this finds you and wherever this finds you, trusting the Holy Spirit will use these uh, these minutes together to uh, to bless and encourage. So uh, so we're jumping right in. So uh, context is everything. So we're gonna see this fascinating passage in Numbers. 11, 
starting in verse 16. But before we do that, we have to set it up with the first part of, of Numbers 11. And you see two things in Numbers 11. You see manna. Uh, you see manna, but the manna doesn't happen without their complaining. You see complaining. I'm looking at the NLT, and I'm just a quick glance in verses 1 through 6 or 7, and I see two, three instances of the word complain. Beginning with verse 1, soon the people began to complain about their hardship, and the Lord heard everything they had said. Then the Lord's anger blazed against them. So, so I mean, even like in verse 1, he's, he's sending a fire to rage among them. Goodness gracious, alive. And this is, by the way, the second year of the 40-year wondering. So we are in year two. We're, we're not off to an auspicious start. Uh, we are off to a pretty stumbling, bumbling, mumbling start. So year two of year 40, uh, 40 years of, of traveling. And so, um, so then um, we've got, listen to the words I've got in the New Living Translation. Complain, anger, rage, this is just the first five, six verses, rabble, like those, those rabble, those, those troublemakers, um, crave, complain, again, two, three times and complain, um, wine, we've got wine at least twice, and I'm not talking what you drink, I'm talking about W-H-I-N-E, eh, can I have that, when are we gonna, are we there yet, <laughs> yeah, this, whatever this wine sounds like, and uh, all of this, and so he's he's got now, just in verses ten through eleven, ten through twelve. Yeah, I'm looking at thirteen. Yeah, there are three times I see whining just in three verses, and so he sends manna to to somehow bless the very people who are whining and complaining. And look at what he says. This is Moses now. And <laughs> this is what he says. He says, because um, now they're, uh, they're complaining about the manna, apparently, and they want meat. All right? And so here's what Moses, I'm just going to pick up at verse 13. Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me, saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The Lord is far too heavy. Look at verse 15. If this is how you intend to treat me, he's talking to the Lord. Moses is talking to the Lord. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Do me a favor and spare me this misery. Wow. Moses talks to God like he is his friend. He is his closest friend. He is his God, his Lord, his Father. Intimate, intimate heart felt not holding anything back real no pretending, just simply, just real honest and raw. That is a relationship with God. Amen? So that's the setup, though, to verse, starting at verse 16. So just understand, that is the setup uh, for verse, uh, verse 15, verses 16 and on. All right? So let's just start in. Uh, verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, and I'm reading by the New Living Translation, Gather before me seventy men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel, bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. So verse 16, um, so God is answering Moses' prayer about the burden. He's telling you, I can't carry this burden by myself. All right, I'm going to send you 70 men. I'm going to send you 70 leaders. Interestingly enough, this is the beginning, we believe, of the Sanhedrin. The very Sanhedrin that 
voted and crucified Jesus, this is the beginning of the Sanhedrin, where the Jewish leaders, uh, all the way, and the, the Sanhedrin lasted all the way through, um, uh, uh, through Herod's rule and uh, into the early church reign. So for uh, thousands, of, for, uh, what is it, three, four thousand years, the Sanhedrin ruled um, in, uh, in Israel, and uh, three, at least three, four thousand years. And the Sanhedrin, if you remember, was the mixture of scribes and Pharisees, and they were both political and religious. So there is no separation of church and state here. Um, there was just, they, they ruled the, the, and now it formed into that. It wasn't this at the very beginning, but this is the beginning, we believe, of the Sanhedrin, interestingly enough. All right. So, uh, and they would rule again in all matters politics and in all, ma- in all matters uh, spiritual. And they helped shape your life in every form and fashion, and, and obviously to the point where they controlled, and obviously Jesus had some harsh words for those who served on the Sanhedrin um, um, with, um, yeah, in, in, in his time and ministry with them. So, all right, verse 17, look at this. This is, this is the Spirit. We find, this is where we find the Holy Spirit. I will come down and talk to you there. This is, this is God speaking to Moses. I will take some of the Spirit that is upon you, and I will put that spirit upon them also. Wow, wow, wow. Uh, and they will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. So God's answering the prayer, but look at what he's, look at this. And that spirit, by the way, is is the Hebrew word ruach. If you've been following along with the podcast, we've been looking at the word ruach. Ruach appears 377 times in the, uh, the Hebrew word appears 377 times in the Old Testament. And this is one of those times, finding the Holy Spirit in, in the Old Testament. And so Ruach, mentioned twice here in the New Living Translation, as it should be, is capitalized because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. So I, I, I wish, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish we could find out exactly what this meant. What does it mean that he took some of the Spirit from Moses and put it upon? Now, we'll see a word here in just a few minutes of what, what kind of happened. But we don't really know what happened. We don't know. Was this a certainly a kind of a precursor to kind of a Pentecost moment? We think it was because you're going to see some things here in just a few minutes, right? But what happened? Here's my heart, though. And here's my heart. Here's my challenge. Here's what. Here's for us. Man, don't you want to be so full of the Holy Spirit? Come on. Come on. Come on. Don't you want to be so full of the Holy Spirit that God... If this could happen today, it doesn't happen this way today, but if it could happen today, God would look and say, I'll take some of the spirit that's on you and I will put that spirit upon them. That's not how it works today. That's how it worked here. But because of Pentecost, it's not how that works. But if it could, if it would, don't you want to be first in line? Don't you want to have so much of the Holy Spirit? Don't you want to have so much of God's very Spirit within you that God would look at you and say, I will take some of the Spirit that's in you because you can spare some. Come on. And I will put that Spirit into them. Come on. Oh my gosh. That's what, I think that's one of the most exciting verses in this whole passage. So, all right, we got to move on. We got a lot to cover. But, oh, I pray that for us. I pray that, I pray you want that much of the Holy Spirit, amen? I pray no one can control how much of the Spirit you want except you. No one can control that. No one can determine that. Only you can determine how much of the Holy Spirit you will receive, all right? But, but know this, you will never out want 
what the Holy Spirit can give. You will never have more desire than what he can fill. All right? So desire, go after, chase after, pursue more of God's Spirit. All right, verse 18, uh, God continues to tell Moses, say to the people, purify yourselves for tomorrow. <laughs> this should be a moment of celebration, but, but it doesn't. It turns quick. <laughs> this, this escalates quickly. For tomorrow, you will have meat to eat. Yay! Quickly, you were whining. Very next verse, you were whining, and the Lord heard you when you cried, oh, for some meat. We were better off in Egypt. Now the Lord will give you meat, and you will have to eat it. Now that... That reminds me, sitting at a dinner table, sitting at a table. So years ago, I don't even remember if I'm eight, nine, seven, I don't even know. All I know is I did not want to eat the corned beef and cabbage that my mama and my daddy put in front of me. My, I, couldn't sm- I couldn't stand. Now today, I love corned beef and cabbage. I could not stand the smell of cabbage cooking in the house. And so here's I'm eating corned beef and cabbage. They're eating corned beef and cabbage. I want to say it was a Friday night. I'm pretty sure it was a Friday night. All I know is this. No way, no how was I going to eat that. Now my mama and my daddy, especially my mama who cooked all the food, she was one who believed, yeah, you eat what's put in front of you. And that's what I grew up with, right? Every now and then, every now and then, she might fix uh, something uh, like a sandwich, P- a PB&J, but she, ain't, she wasn't the one to cut the crust off of the bread. <laughs> she, wasn't the, she just said, that's what's in front of you, especially Daddy. Daddy said, boy, that's what, that's, you're going to eat that. Well, I didn't want to eat it. And so I decided I was going to draw the line in the sand at corned beef and cabbage on a Friday night. So I did not eat it. I went to bed without any dinner. Yep. Went to bed without any dinner. And so I woke up the next morning, Saturday morning, cartoons, uh, good old bowls of Fruit Loops, and and uh, so, yeah, sugary cereals, whatever I could get my hands on, right? Nope. Daddy said, Mama said, if you want anything to eat, you can eat the cold corned beef and cabbage. No thank you, Judy, right? No thank you, Judy. So this went on all day. I remember, I'm pretty sure it was a Saturday because it was a miserable Saturday when it was supposed to be the, you know, Saturdays for teenagers, for for kids, eight, nine year olds back in the day, in my day, 19, right, barely, you know, 1970, you know, for that, a Saturday was a glory, the glorious day of all days, right? That was cartoon days and Lone Ranger days and, and go out and play all day days and, and all that. And so no homework days and no school days. And so it was made miserable because it was corned beef and cabbage day. And uh, long story short, we got to get, we got to move on. But long story short, uh, I ended up eating cold corned beef and cabbage that night because mama and daddy said, you're going to eat this. So this is what comes to mind, right? The Lord says, oh, I'm going to give you meat and you're going to eat it. You are going to eat it. So uh, anyway, so, uh, crazy, crazy, crazy. Uh, and, uh, and so, uh, sure enough, uh, he gives them meat and it won't be just for a day or two. He says in verse 19 or five or even 20, you will eat it for a whole month until you gag and are sick of it. For you have rejected the Lord who is here among you and you have whined to him saying, why did you ever leave Egypt? Now Moses has this relationship with God, right? And he says, so there are 600,000 foot soldiers here with me. We're not even talking their wives and their kids. So we know there are well over a million people in the, in, in the Israelite camp. Again, this is year two of the wondering, of the 40-year wondering. And yet you say, I will give them meat for a whole month, 20, verse 22. 
Even if we butchered our, all of our flocks and herds, that, would that satisfy them? Even if we caught all the fish in the sea, would that be enough? In verse 23, the Lord said to Moses, Has my arm lost its power? I love that. Has my arm lost its power? Now you will see whether or not my word comes true. I don't know where you are listening to this podcast. Um, but if you believe that the Lord's arm has lost its power, I want to encourage you, the Lord is still strong. The Lord is still powerful. He can supply quail for a month to teach a lesson to some whiny brats called his children. I think he can do whatever he wants to do in your life and my life. I I pray that you will know his arm is strong. I pray you will know that God has not grown weak in your moment of struggle. I pray that you will know that God is still the infinite God of the universe, even when the finite things of your world come crashing in, feeling almost collapsing around you. But God is still God, and He is still strong, and He is still good. I hope and pray you know that, my friend. Verse 24, Moses goes out and reports the Lord's word to the people. So he gathers the 70 elders, and he stationed them around the tabernacle. Verse 25, And the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders, the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened again. We got to break this sucker down. (laughs) We got to break this down. So the Lord comes down in the cloud, right? Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire, spoke to Moses. So we see that, we see that persistent, um, that very consistent uh, theme in, in, in in the day of Moses, cloud by day, uh, uh, pillar of cloud by day, pillar of fire by night. So he comes down in a cloud and spoke to Moses and he gave and, but first of all, they gathered around the tabernacle. That will come into play here in just a few minutes. So he gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. He gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. So a couple things about prophecy. Um, I'm blessed to teach a class at the Joshua Center on prophecy next year even. We'll be talking a little bit more about prophecy. This Every, every second year of the teaching of the curriculum, we have a curriculum uh, in um, uh, a three-year curriculum, a three-year schedule in our curriculum at the Joshua Center. And, and every second year, we talk about prophecy, proclamation of the gospel, what is the gospel, how do, you, you know, how do we uh, preach the gospel, things like that. And so... We've taught before on prophecy, and in the Old Testament, prophecy was more of a foretelling. In the New Testament, we'll see later on that prophecy is more of a forthtelling. So foretelling is basically uh, the prophets, you, just as you would imagine, the prophets of old that you're used to in the Old Testament, speaking of things that are not yet have not yet happened, things that have, have are yet to occur, but things that the Lord has given vision and the ability for prophets to declare that these things will come to pass. And again, the true test of a prophet in the Old Testament was that if they spoke it, it would come to pass. That's the true test. In the New Testament, prophecy is very different. It's forthtelling, meaning you're now speaking God's heart. You're speaking God's mind. You're speaking God's direction into a certain situation because you are under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Same spirit, different form of prophecy. Make sense? So there's still prophecy, and we'll come to that. Hopefully, we'll close with that here in just a few minutes. But and then the Spirit rested upon them, and they prophesied. But this never happened again. So there's this one time. Like I said, God has principles, and He operates by the principles that He has set out. Uh, he has set out all the principles 
that work in the kingdom of God that now infiltrate this earth. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So he, set, he has to abide by his own principles. And God is God. And God does what he does. But he operates within his own principles. He can never violate his own character. But this never happened again. Now, what did happen was Pentecost in Acts 2. So this, I believe this was a precursor. Interesting. Look at verse 26. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind the, in the camp. What? Eldad, me dad, what, what, what happening? What's happening, dudes? Dude, do dads, what's happening, you know? What, why are you staying behind in the camp? They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle. Now, I believe, we don't know if they were disobedient, we don't know what happened, but I get the sense that they were disobedient. Because, see what happens next. Now, look at, look at God's grace. The, the, the last part of verse 26. Yet. Somebody say yet. Somebody say yet. Come on. Somebody say yet like you mean it. Somebody say yet, knowing that you have been on the other side of yet. Right? I have been disobedient yet. God has been good to me. I have not always been faithful yet. God has always been faithful to me. I have not always honored God yet. God has always honored me. Anybody want to say yet as if you have lived on the other side of yet? Come on. Because yet the Spirit rested upon them as well. So even if Eldad and Medad, even if those doodads had disobeyed and stayed behind, yet the Spirit of God rested upon them and they prophesied right there in the camp. So the others were prophesying around the tabernacle. They stayed in the camp a pretty good distance away, and they were prophesying. Now look at verse 27. A young man ran and reported to Moses, Tattletale, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Whining just takes all kinds of forms, right? Whining and, 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 uh, and tattletelling and, and all this. So this young man comes running up. So now Joshua, son of Nun, verse 28, who had been Moses' assistant since his youth, protested, Moses, my master, make them stop. So Moses, Joshua, unfortunately, gets kind of caught up in this young man's uh, uh, bluster and fluster with, hey, these two men are in the camp and they're prophesying. Doesn't that bring us back to, doesn't that take us forward to the New Testament when um, Jesus, they're walking with the disciples and there's reports of, of uh, disciples in Samaria preaching the gospel and and uh, and remember, uh, was it was it Peter? I made Jane, what, some of the disciples, maybe all of them. Should we call fire down on them? Remember that? And Jesus said, "No." <laughs> Can you imagine? Just Jesus's face, like, "No, no." They're preaching the gospel. They may not do it the way you're doing it, but they're pronouncing my name. So how about we leave them alone? <laughs> so anyway. So this is basically the reply that Moses has. Moses replies in verse 29. Are you jealous for my sake? Are you jealous because you something's happening? And we don't even know. So apparently this young man and, and Joshua, I don't we don't see them prophesying. They they're not they're not part of the eldership at this point. All right. Um, so they may be jealous that something's happening supernaturally that they're not a part of. Look at what Moses replies. I wish that all of the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. And then Moses returned to the camp with the elders of the Israel. Uh, of the, with the elders of Israel. Um, so um, we'll come back to this 
I, I think we got to finish the quail, right? So, so if you finish the chapter, the, uh, right after that, verse 31, Now the Lord sent a wind that brought quail from the sea and let them fall all around the camp. For miles in every direction, there were quail flying about three feet above the ground. So the people went out and caught the quail all day long and throughout the night and all the next day. No one gathered less than 50 bushels. They spread the quail all around the camp to dry. But when they were gorging themselves on the meat while it was still in their mouths, the anger of the Lord blazed against the people and he struck them with a severe plague. So, so yeah, they had meat and <laughs> they had quail. But you better enjoy it because, yeah, it was it came with it, it came with a cost. A couple of last points here. Um, praise God for how He works with the supernatural. Uh, I love verse twenty nine. Uh, I wish that all people would prophesy. I wish that all the people would pro- be with prophets, and the Lord would put the Spirit upon them all. Um, if we jump to verse, uh, uh, we alluded to this earlier. First uh, Corinthians fourteen. Um, Paul tells the, the church in, Cor- in Corinth, uh, I pray that you would all desire to prophesy. He says, go after, eagerly desire. Check out 1 Corinthians 14.1. Eagerly desire all the spiritual gifts, but especially the gift of prophecy. Don't you want to hear from the Lord? Don't you want to speak for the Lord? Don't you want to be used by the Lord? If you do, then that has to come through the Spirit of God. That has to come from the Ruach HaKadosh the Holy Spirit. And I pray that you would pray and we would pray that the Holy Spirit would rest upon all people. The rest, the Holy Spirit would reside within all people. That all people, I pray that that would be our prayer, friends, that we would pray for our loved ones, our family, people that we meet. Oh, that the Holy Spirit would reside, that the Lord would put His Spirit in them all. Wouldn't that be a good prayer? Be blessed and be Spirit-filled. Pastor Tim is the co-founder and teaching director of the Joshua Center, a leadership training ministry which provides deep biblical roots to great movements of God. He's also the senior pastor of Firmers Chapel, a country church by a creek, reaching 13 countries on four different continents for Jesus and his kingdom. Join us next time as we grow deeper in the person and the power.